It's a mean age. But it is going to be a beautiful future as long as we don't f*** it up. I'm Brian McWilliams, and this is Mean Age Daydream, where I bring you unfiltered comedy, criticism, philosophy, and politics with a Mean Age Daydream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Mean Age Daydream. I am Brian McWilliams, and I am really basking in the glory of the fire, the warmth of the fire that is Robbie the Fire Bernstein, who's joining me today. Hey, Robbie. What's up, man? I feel like every time I come back to the studio, it's like just different. But however the lighting <laughs> is right now, I feel like this is what I need in my life. I feel like I got a good it, glow. However this is, yeah. I, like, I should maybe just stay permanently seated like this and just line up as many podcasts as I can, like one of those old games where they'd like put a hand on a car type thing. Oh, totally. You should yeah. you should cut a hole in the bottom of your chair. I just noticing. I I I was meaning to ask you. You've got a very fancy gamer chair now. Are you are you like Twitch streaming now? Are you so, no? The are you Louis J. Gomezing it? <laughs> <laughs> the answer is every time we do a. Uh, I prefer to. I, I stand front of your mouth, and every time we do a part of the problem, I go. I desperately need another chair, and I bought this chair a while ago because uh, I didn't have any furniture in my apartment. And you just slept like, in it, ate in it. I was, like, I, I was like, I heard that these are good if you're actually a lazy fat fuck and you want to spend time, you know, sitting in a chair for a while. It came recommended. It was all of 200 bucks. And let me tell you, oh, wow. this chair hurts everything. It's a terrible <laughs> chair. If I spend too much time sitting it, my neck hurts. Everything hurts. And then literally every time we do a part of the problem, I'm like, I look like a fucking dumbass. I have to at least get a normal <laughs> chair for part of the problem. And then uh, I was actually surprised. Somebody memed me the other day. Uh, no, nice. Where they took me and someone else, and they're like, "Word to the wise: Never take advice from a podcaster that doesn't have a woman in his life to tell them that this doesn't look good." <laughs> <laughs> Dude, there's. Do you ever watch this show called Adventure Time? Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. this. I mean, not, okay, not recently, but yes, I. Yeah, a while back, college, I, it was perfect procrastination because it was always, like the episodes were ten minutes. I go, oh, I'll right. just watch one, and then I'd watch a whole season. And be like, I'm in child. This is for children it's it's a great show but there's a character there i think his name's like daniel or nathaniel or something who was like the rainbow wizard and he had this this perfect quaffed hair which looks exactly like your seat behind your bald head looks exactly like the hair of the little rainbow gay wizard on adventure time i think someone pointed out that it almost looks like dark helmet (laughs) yeah totally yeah you get your space balls in for sure yeah Yeah. it's not bad (laughs) by the way when i saw that meme, my first react like someone like sent it to me and i was like Ah, shit, that's funny and true, so I can't get mad about it. But then there was the other part of me. I was like, fuck you, you New York City comic going after another. Like, go find some other fucking podcaster sitting in a gamer chair. But I'm like, but he's so right, and I keep ignoring it. And there is no lady in my house to tell me that's not good. <laughs> it doesn't look good. So he's got uh, me. <laughs> no, I mean. And, and you're no not to take is- advice from me either. I'll take, the, I, I, I'll take his side on that one as well. Of course. Well, and you're not, and it's not like you're going to go out legitimately get another chair. Like that one sucks, but it's yeah. functionally still going to work. And as a man, yes. we're just like, fuck it. I'm using it. And I bought it. I'm going to use yeah. it until it breaks my spine or it's it collapses. And I can technically sit in it. Although right. I've had more than once where I've had a lazy day and spent too much time in it and then mm. had a problem. Like, well. either, <laughs> like I, like I, I am like conscientious not to spend too much time sitting in this chair. I don't know why it's so poorly designed, but if I, like, if I spend four hours, five hours on this thing, watching TV or whatever, it's either my neck or back. It's like a seesaw. It's one or the other. And it's a problem. So do you not own a couch? Oh, wow. I just knocked out <laughs> over two. Wait, are you, and, and I'm now I get to see the, the top. Yeah, I get to see the beautiful, uh, so beautiful thought, roof at Robbie's house. Yeah, a gap in the soundproofing. Um, yeah, it's all coming together on this pod. There's a uh, there's a couch right here, and this is the garbage that's uh, currently being stored on it. The other room nice. that you just saw. I, I love it. I love that you've really you've really made your house somewhere where women's screams cannot be heard. <laughs> so that's impressive. That's good thinking ahead. You know, when I was first building the studio, the joke I was making was I was trying to make it. Um, rape proof. Not that I would rape, but that would be the benchmark of <laughs> that I can scream racist thoughts without the neighbors hearing it. And I was shocked because right. there's another uh, Run Your Mouth podcast, and it's a very different show with a very different personality talking about very different topics. And there was a lady from Florida who was into running who came across my podcast. 
and actually came across that as being the first episode and thought it was hilarious, which I was like, ah, nice. I was like, oh, this is a sign that not everything's out, like that there's more of a market for what I'm doing. Because yeah. if there was one thing I didn't think one random uh, lady into running would discover, or maybe that late, that particular lady had some uh, weird fantasies that she was trying to tell me about and I blew her off. <laughs> Deep degenerative mental disorder. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I always thought like the run your mouth name would also attract a lot of um, like very uh, patriarchal Italian men that are okay. just looking for other ways to tell their women to stop talking. Yes. You know? So they find podcasts like yours just to be like, like, Sheila, stop running your mouth. <laughs> also, well, good. maybe you should incorporate a little bit more, uh, you know, how to slap your wife around in the show. I can make that a segment. I'm okay with that. Yeah. So I look around like I knew as soon as I started this podcast, because in my new setup here, I'm in the temporary house. My daughter's bedroom is like right back there. And I know she's going to open the fucking door and interrupt us at some point. It's going to happen. She'll learn about anyway. how to get hit by her husband. So that's right. That's actually well, this is my daughter. Yeah. I mean, she could then relay to her future <laughs> spouse to be like, this is how you're supposed to keep me in line. Uh, yeah. I heard this from my father. My father knows he knew how to hit me just right where it didn't leave a mark. Uh, no, it was a, it, we cue. call it a, a four hour bruise literally on cue. Your daughter's oh, literally on cue. <laughs> well, let's show the people what they want to see. <laughs> Eddie, daddy's the daddy's in Rover's podcast. Okay. Got to go down with mommy. Okay. Mama, <laughs> okay. She's downstairs. Okay. Bye. Love you. Daddy's working, honey. In quotes. She's, she's a hundred percent. By the way, my daughter also only takes dumps in my bathroom now, Smart. which is great. So she may be, are you taking a, excellent. She's taking a dump with the door open during this podcast, Robbie. I so. wish I didn't know that. In fact, <laughs> how's everybody's, how's everybody else's day, day going? We could just take a break or, you know, shoot nope. from a different We're angle. powering through, man. This podcast don't stop. We're powering through. Okay. My daughter taking a poop with the door open as we're doing this. So. Okay. First topic. Well, first thing we got to tell people, come on out. Obviously, uh, this yeah. is going to air Wednesday, but they still have time to get tickets to come for the comedy show. Oh, yeah, I know, but I can't I can't talk to you right now. I'm, on a, I'm doing a podcast. You've made me thoroughly uncomfortable. Do you want to just take a break? I'm okay She's with the not. I know all I right. Let me pause. Hard out, but I will let make me an pause. exception. You can take all the all right. time you need to get so that <laughs> I don't need to be looped in on this process. All right. Hold on. She told me explicitly she's not taking a jump. All right. Let me pause. Let me pause the recording. All right, there we go. Recording resumed. The child going to the bathroom situation has resolved itself. So, yes, people can come out. Acceptable fashion. Yeah. Look, more podcasters need to incorporate their families and show that there's a softer side to a Brian McWilliams or a Robbie. You should have little children coming in during your podcast. People will be very confused as to where they're coming from. You could have an Oliver Twist situation going on, a little army of pickpockets that come in, take dumps during the podcast live. Then you're bringing in the whole Nambla crowd. And now we're part of the LGBTQ trans pedophile flag. And now those people can't come after us. That all makes sense. But uh, I keep my kids in cages while I'm broadcasting. I know. My wife really took a stand on that. She took a hard stand about a year ago. Anyway. They were selling right. them uh, from, there was a border yard sale for cheap when they were uh, selling parts from the border wall. So <laughs> top of the line cages for uh, keeping kids in, because that's what they were designed for. Um, and uh, helps make sure that I don't have dumping kids in the background while I'm trying to broadcast. <laughs> right. But then they're probably just shitting on the floor of the cages. Do you put newspaper down or do you that's use wood they, chips? Uh, the, the cages were built for that and maintains the smells. And so it's not, it's not a concern of mine. They nice. learn not to do it because otherwise they have to deal with it. Right, they go in the corner and, and like a cat, you kick over the stuff to cover up the shit. I get it. Yeah, that's smart. Smart parenting. Mm-hmm. Well, getting into some real topics here. Okay. So I was oddly enough in the shower earlier in the same bathroom. My child just took a, a pee in and listening to part of the problem, which of course you're on part of the problem and run your mouth. And, and you guys were were actually occasionally, yeah, occasionally, yeah, <laughs> once in a while. But you guys were actually listening to uh, the Donald Trump tape there donald trump released a statement essentially a video statement talked about how he would not comply now i'm going to play part of that and then also it's going to go into the cnn story which i'm sure you've seen all right which is fauci responding to cnn finally calling out doesn't work doesn't mean you don't have to do it that's not the way science is just because something's unproven and doesn't actually work doesn't mean you shouldn't do it 
Well, this is, I mean, I'll, I'll play this whole audio. It's about three minutes of audio and we could pause it. But I do love at the end, you know, to spoiler, it's hilarious that they, the results of the findings are that it doesn't work. And he's like, well, it still works for individuals. Like, what? Like, what, what, what standard are we talking about here where a, a, study, a study happens that is proven that it doesn't work for a population and yet somehow it's working individuals. But hold on, let me play this and then we can talk about it. I want, I want people to know what we're, uh, what we're jiving about here. All right, here we go. ...called BA-286, some three and a half years since the pandemic was first identified. But if public health officials feel it necessary to ask America to mask up again, how many would comply? According to Gallup, in the first two years, public confidence in the U.S. healthcare system has dropped from 44% to 34%. And Donald Trump. Now, that's a white pill, by the way. I have to say, huge white pill that that confidence level has dropped. We'll just, we'll just stop a couple of times during here. I mean, what do you think about that? Are these are, do you think Americans are legitimately waking up to the amount of horseshit that's been perpetrated on us? Uh,. Those are two different questions. So to, to start with, I, I was not aware of this stat, and that's very interesting to me that uh, people were so thoroughly lied to. Um, I guess it, it, that stat kind of says a lot because, you know, people might not say that they've lost trust in institutions, but that stat where, like, you know, you have to see a doctor, you have to get medical care, you're going to get honest information from people of, oh, I'll just take my doctor's word for something or I now realize I have to do my own research and uh, the doctors are beholden to institutions. They don't have my best interests. Like, in other words, people's health and doctor recommendations are important enough to them that I guess you'll get an honest response. Uh, so I would have thought, I don't know how many people are waking up, but that is a pretty interesting stat, especially that it's being told by CNN, which means right. that- that's not even there for us to reckon and acknowledge it. Yeah, that's that's something that really is standing out to me in this whole story. And I'll, I'll keep playing it. But you'll see as this story goes along, even the fact that they're breaching the subject is is shocking for CNN. And I mean, I know they were trying to get back to being a quote unquote trusted news source, which right. I don't know if I believe it. But since they were parroting the whole, hey, there's a new wave of code coming out, too. But anyway, so back to this. Trump took to Truth Social to again make the issue political, accusing the latest outbreak to be hype designed to impact the 2024 election. But to every COVID tyrant who wants to take away our freedom, hear these words, we will not comply. So don't even think about it. We will not shut down our schools. We will not accept your lockdowns. We will not abide by your mask mandates. And we will not tolerate your vaccine mandates. I am concerned that people will not abide by recommendations. And, and we're not talking about mandates or forcing anybody. But when you have a situation where the volume of cases in society gets to a reasonably high level, particularly the vulnerable, those who are elderly and those with underlying <laughs> conditions, are going to be more... i got to just pause it for a minute. What the fuck face is Smirconish making yeah, during this interview? It's creeping me out. It's like he's trying... It's like in, in uh, scanners. Like, is he trying to explode Fauci's head with his mind powers? Yeah, it's pretty uh, It's pretty incredible. I also love how Fauci starts with, uh, we're not going to force anybody. It's not about force. It was never about force. It's like <laughs> someone trained him, hey, we really got to walk it back and pretend like we never forced anything upon anybody. Oh, yeah, man. And so now that's the, that probably every time it's, well, it's not about forcing anyone. We would never force anyone trying to re revisit history and what he was a part of and try and pretend like that was never a uh, part of the protocol. Uh, no, it's so, the ultimate gaslighting, man. You see yeah. this, you know, Trudeau's trying to pull this bullshit in Canada. I mean, you see leftists pull this online too. The, the amount of times I've seen big lefty accounts be argue legitimately say who was forced you know, nobody, nobody lined you up in a prison. It's like, well, when you're talking about losing your job, when you're talking about not being able to access restaurants, not be able to fly, not be able to see loved ones, like clearly you're coercing the living shit out of people to do this thing. We wouldn't force so. you, but we do need to figure out ways to intimidate everybody to make sure that there's compliance, not force. No, I lit your house on fire, but I didn't yeah. make you leave the house. It's <laughs> your choice whether or not you want to burn in the house. I don't know what to tell you. We just, we're going to need compliance if there's a recommendation. <laughs> All right, here we go. Back into it. There's about 
Let's see. Actually, I'm going to fast forward a little bit to the two minute mark here. If I can get this thing to fucking I fast. I feel like he can actually peer into my apartment. <laughs> Even through your, your rape proofing, Smirconish finds a way. Yeah. Uh, here we go. So this is fast forwarding. Uh, they're talking about this study. They're citing a study that has come out uh, from Thomas Jefferson. Look at that. Thomas Jefferson coming through in the clutch all these years later to shit on the COVID regime. God bless that founding father. For reducing the spread of respiratory illness, including COVID-19, was published last month. Its conclusions, said Tom Jefferson, the Oxford epidemiologist, who is the lead author, were unambiguous. There is just no evidence that they, masks, make any difference, he told the journalist Mayan Damasi, full stop. But wait, hold on. What about the N95 masks as opposed to the lower quality surgical or cloth masks? Makes no difference. None of it, he said. Well, what about the studies that initially persuaded policymakers to impose mask mandates? They were convinced by non-randomized studies, flawed observational studies. How do we get beyond that finding of that particular review? Yeah, but there are other studies, Michael, that show at an individual level for individual. When you're talking about the effect on the epidemic or the pandemic as a whole, the data are less strong. But when you talk about as an individual basis of someone protecting themselves or protecting themselves from spreading it to us. It makes me so angry. By the way, I haven't watched this video. I just saw that it was like put out. And so this is actually my first time watching it. And you should know that usually when I first watch, like I literally get like fucking shaking with rage. Yeah, but. It's it's less. What did he say? It's less strong. No, he yeah. just you just saw a scientific study that said it doesn't work. Oh, the evidence is Zero less strong. strong. What a great yeah. way to present. It's like uh, my my directions weren't good. Someone fell off a cliff. You gave someone <laughs> directions that there was a road there and that they weren't the most accurate description of how to get from point A to B. Like, well, it's like a guy saying that there was it was absolutely necessary. Right, the absolutely. Evidence just isn't strong. And then yeah, what does that did mean? nothing. Then you're saying, all right, so on a national level, it doesn't work at all. But there's some, you know what that means. But there's some evidence on an individual level. That means if you are so overwhelmingly lucky that a mass works for you, you probably are just overwhelmingly lucky that you have good natural immunity. You might be so overwhelmingly lucky that I don't know. COVID gives you magical powers. Right. You're just describing some random schmuck who happens to be the uh, like the the you know. Uh, uh, on the statistical margins of the one, like what he's saying is mass 99.0% of the time don't work, but 1% of the time they do. So yeah. you might be that one person that it happens to work for. Right. How, how do you have individual? I mean, I don't even how you make the statement that it works <laughs> on an individual level. Cause like we were talking about what, on what anecdotal evidence is, what is our one, is there a one man study that's going around yeah, that these people are is, citing that like, we just don't know about? I guess if you had a vaccine that killed uh, 99 out of a hundred people, but it worked for yeah. one person, he'd go, yeah, the vaccine doesn't work, but on an individual, individual level, level. <laughs> on an individual level. Hey, fentanyl, uh, you know, being addicted to fentanyl, we found on an individual level can be very beneficial to certain people. Yeah, oh it, it's God. fucking Everyone absurd. Everyone in the world needs to watch this video and realize he's been pulling this shit since the beginning of this, and you were lied to, and there needs to be a trial. There needs oh, yeah. to be a trial for, and let, him, let it turn out that he was clean and there weren't NIH payments and he wasn't colluding with Big Pharma and he didn't buy this from a lab. God bless. If we have an actual trial, an honest trial of uh, Anthony Fauci, and he turns out to be Scott Clean, egg on my face. Hey, I'll, I'll admit to it. I'll go, man, I really fell for conspiracy talk, and I guess I'm not that good at determining a liar. I'm already envisioning, like, I'm already envisioning Fauci's lawyer, if they can get back. Uh, who was, uh, who was the, the, the lawyer for OJ that uh, said if the glove doesn't fit, you can't uh, uh Cochran, Cochran, Cochran. Yeah, I'd say it's like something like that. He's like, if the vaccine doesn't prick, you cannot indict. Of course, it would yeah, be indict, but I had to make bad. the rhyme. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would love it. I mean, Rand Paul wants to he wants to put him on trial. I don't yeah. think it's going to happen. But but, you know, like seeing stuff on this, seeing like CNN actually talk about it and call him out makes me think like, OK, are the are the wheels turning behind right. the scenes now with the establishment where they're like, all right, we gotta we gotta nail this fucker to the cross 
so that we can move on and put all the blame on him right. in order to move on with our other evil plans. It's just a couple follow-up questions. What do you mean that there's other, like, what other studies are you referencing? This one seems definitive. Why yeah. did you make the recommendations off of non-definitive studies? Why did we aggressively enforce this off of what aren't great studies? What does that mean on an individual basis? And then why would you even make the recommendation at all? Right. Especially consider you're on tape numerous times yeah. throughout history, not just for this, uh, you know, pandemic, but for previous ones, talking about how masks do nothing yeah. and how they were dangerous to actually wear in the beginning. And yet, why? Why did you change your mind? It'd be great if he just sat there. And go. Well, it turns out I had it right the first time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes you divorce an ex-wife and you find out that you're actually in love with her. That was me with uh, not wearing a mask. Yeah. Yeah. What a dick. I mean, so we'll see. I mean, it, like how anyone could watch this and not go, I was duped. I'm an idiot. And then be outraged and go, that was two years of my life. I have a child that's vaccinated. Yep. What the fuck? Yep. But well, dude, I was talking. So I was at this uh, anniversary party yesterday and a lot of very liberal people there. Obviously, I'm in L.A. And I was talking to this one gal who had lived in the U.K. She was an older, older white lady, older white liberal, you know, the evils of society. And she had lived in the U.K. as an actress. So, you know, you got all the components here for somebody that's very, very um, isolated in her views. But she was talking about how. Masking was still a great thing, legitimately arguing to you that all you have to do is put it on. You know, you can choose to wear it. You, you should be responsible. I'm just like, you know, I'm trying not to get in a fight at this like pool party, but right. she's making it so difficult. And then this segues into a story I just saw today, literally like right before we jumped on that I want to talk about, but just like bleeds also into like the evil of uh, socialized medicine, because I want to share the story. The idea of, oh, just wear a mask, just wear a mask. It's just wear it. <laughs> so couple things. One is. If you're wearing a shitty mask, I, I, I'm i just talking out of my ass here, but I'm guessing if every day for an entire year you wear a shitty plastic mask out of some factory in China, there's no way that is good for your health. No. I can't prove it to you. I haven't run a study about blue dye. They, they just on the did one. side of a plastic mask that was made in a factory in China. I don't know, but just intuitively, I would assume with our understanding of safe and chemicals and the way that corporations tend not to care about our health and the corporate and like the chemicals that they will, uh, you know, that we're constantly uh, confronted with chemicals from a Chinese factory on a one penny, less than one penny item being up against your nose for an entire year on end. There's no way that's good for you. And if you're wearing the N95 masks from what I, I remember only seeing one headline. And the problem with what we do is that I read information all the time. And then you have some things that like I'm a hundred percent sure about. And then you get other ones where I'm like, I read that. That makes sense. But you got to fact check me. So this is a, you got to fact check me one, but I seem to also remember reading at some point that the N95 masks are not healthy to be worn for long periods of time because you're breathing in your own carbon monoxide. Well, there's that. Plus, here, I'm, I'm going to share the Institute of Health suggests N95 COVID mask may expose wearers to dangerous levels of toxic yeah, compounds linked to seizures that. and cancer. I know, exactly, to your point. Nobody should be like uh, in any way surprised and then, and then by this. And also, like... I've come to learn this for myself and maybe this will uh, help other people with their own personal problems. Once again, don't take advice from a unmarried individual who broadcasts from gamer chairs, <laughs> but there are certain things that I wouldn't say as a dude, you don't want to say I'm afraid of something because that feels gay. You're a dude, right? <laughs> There's a lot of things. I mean, that, unless it's a, unless it's being raped in a shower, then that's yeah, very exactly. straight. There's a lot of things that I came to terms with. It's not that I'm afraid but it makes me enough un uncomfortable that I will avoid it. So like so one thing that makes me, I happen to be kind of claustrophobic and I've learned that when I'm stuck in places that make me claustrophobic, more of my bad habits will come out because I'm trying to escape my discomfort. Now it's not an overwhelming fear. It's not like I am incapable of being in small place. It, it, I can do it. It just makes me uncomfortable. And as a result of the discomfort, I'm more likely to drink or eat the cake on the table, like whatever the hell it is, because I am uncomfortable. 
I can relate to everyone that if you spend long periods of time being uncomfortable, I think the actual uh, term for it is ego depletion, that like you just kind of sap it, your, uh, you can call it your personal goodwill or your just ability to be disciplined. Like we've all had that. If you spend enough time at a job, you're just not going to have the mental focus to, uh, mm-hmm. you know, go start your own business or do your own task or whatever the, sh- whatever the fuck else interests you. If you work a real, like, let's just say like, you know, eight to seven type job and you want to be a screenwriter, you got to do that shit before you show up to work. Yeah. Cause believe me, it's not happening at 8 PM when you leave work on nope, the same note, exactly. you can pretend like you don't mind wearing a mask. It's uncomfortable. Now you might be better at being uncomfortable. It takes a toll. I promise you for every single person collectively that spent an entire day just pretending like they were okay with it. I'm sure they consumed more calories when they left work to de-stress or they were drinking more. It just takes a toll. So just objectively, one, there's a chance you were exposing yourself to chemicals and for no reason, because if you're wearing one of those just open-ended part, there was literally no reason to wear it. N95 masks, if they were fitted properly, have some utility, but then you're also doing an evaluation. Is that worth breathing in more of your own CO2 or the article you just said that apparently there's chemicals there? And then let's just say that they are totally not hazardous to your health. You're uncomfortable all the time, and that's going to take a toll on you, and for no reason. No, exactly right, man. I mean, I just, I remember wearing, I, I rarely even wore the N95s because I couldn't stand them. I, I literally felt like I was suffocating yeah. when I would wear the mask. And that's just breathing normally, just sitting around. You're know, like, I'd wear one once in a blue moon. I had to wear one because they, they you know, somebody forced me to, I think, wear one to come in their house one time for half an hour. And I thought I was going to die. You know, it was like, it was strenuous to breathe into it. And that has to take a toll without a doubt. And to your point, and I also think that I mean, look how many people overdosed on drugs. Look how many people like, I mean, how many excess deaths that we're counting from heart disease, as you're talking about, you know, from uh, stress-related factors, from overeating, from diabetic, you know, uh, offshoots that then get you COVID. Like all these things for sure are, you know, were compounded during COVID. And you look to places like Sweden, which of course didn't lock down, has some of the best results and the least excess deaths. Why? Because their population wasn't living in a constant state of authoritarian lockdown induced stress, wherein you're going to lead to all these complications coming from the stemming issue of, of COVID policy. So, yeah, it all adds up. Prosecute Fauci. Yep. Every, well, every fucking one of them. That's why, though, it makes sense that they're going to throw him on the, you know, on the fire here because it protects so many other people. That would otherwise be culpable for everything that happened. You have to have some fall guy here, and Fauci's the natural one at this point. So, um, yeah, he seems to be. You know, it's interesting because I guess while you're still dictating all the money, I guess you have the leverage still. But I don't know what his current position is, and he's he's teaching at Georgetown. That's his current position. No, he's that, out. That's not the, that's not the only thing he's doing. I mean, I I don't know if he's, he's probably got some shady back deals going on, but the other aspect of it is that, um, at some point you have to have some loyalty to your soldiers just collectively to talk about the machine. Like, let's just address it as the machine. If the Mm. machine always sacrifices like it's better parts after they're done using them, you know, you start realizing, oh, I can't be a part of the machine. I, I, you know, it's almost reminds me of in one, in one aspect. Okay. But it also, and this might be a, a ridiculous way to describe it. It also reminds me though, of, for example, using PEDs in sports to get ahead or risking getting uh, your head bashed in playing in the NFL, but you made $35 million. That's still an appealing thing. If you're, if you're part of the machine and at some point you acknowledge I may be sacrificed, but by playing the game, my upside in this is millions and millions of dollars, multi-generational right. wealth. You still play the game, You're man. Saying there's enough upside that other Fauci's will exist and go. He uh, for was sure. just he enjoyed the spotlight too much, and that's how he ended up in trouble. But if right. I can, if I avoid the spotlight, I don't push it too far. I can still make all this money, and that's a fair point. And I mean, and he made he was the highest paid. Don't forget, he was the highest paid yeah, government employee. That's just yeah, exactly. That's without all the kickbacks from the NIH and for whatever patents he had. So, I mean, there's the incentive is definitely there at that level, at least. I mean, I'm not saying, you know, your 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 fat black lady working at the DMV is is uh, enticed to <laughs> to play the game. Right. But uh, for Fauci level, for sure, man. Well, one thing. So let me segue into this, this story I just saw, because this like was sickening just talking about socialized health care, which is another topic I got into with this lady yesterday. But. 
there's a story that just came out of a British court. Of course, the Brits love their national health system, national health service, yet it is completely captured. You know, you don't have the options to get a lot of services. And in this instance, a woman known as ST has a degenerative life-threatening disease, a mitochondrial genetic disease. And basically, I guess they're saying it's like Charlie Gard, which I don't know is uh, a kid that was removed off life life support because doctors insisted this kid was going to die, even though he was still alive. So this woman is older, has a degenerative disease, and is cognizant. It's not like she's out of, you know, out of touch. It's not like she can't talk. She can speak. Her parents want her to live. She's on life support, but is cognizant, is alive. And the doctors are denying her the ability to leave. They won't let her leave to go to Canada for treatment. They were they are telling her we're not going to keep you on life support anymore over the objections of the parents and the patient. They are essentially just saying it's time to die. It's creepy. I mean, that when anybody argues for even the British version of like, oh, well, let's just socialize our health care. That's the kind of shit that just it, it puts so much terror into my soul, because if you don't have the option, like I could get it if they say we're not going to pay for it. Right. As right. a as a nation, it doesn't make sense. But to deny somebody the ability to leave. To get the, the to get this taken care of. Now you're talking about authoritarianism on a level that is simply evil. And there's no way around it. Yeah, because they don't want the uh, proof of the fact that the kid could have lived, I guess, once they made a decision that it like, they, this problem with socialism is that they can't afford to be wrong. And so yeah. they kind of have to protect themselves. Uh, I, I'm of the opinion and I'm not against the idea of uh, Jewish space lasers that Oprah purchased <laughs> uh, to take out property in Maui so that. In this new world order of 15-minute so- cities, Oprah shall reign supreme. I'm not against the concept. <laughs> it would seem to me that just good old government socialism of working with singular uh, electric companies and uh, pushing for them to make green investments instead of taking care of brush or other things uh, and you know, saying, hey, we've got all this under control but then in the event of an emergency, having their emergency systems not working, mm-hmm. shutting off water that they still needed, firefighters thinking the job was done when it wasn't. It's yeah, blocking roads. What probably happened in Maui is just failures of socialism. And it also seems like they're uh, covering up for what might be a lot of missing or dead kids. Yep. And I think when there's 100 dead kids, you actually get the outrage of the public of who killed those kids. And when who killed those kids is just bad government policy, they have to do everything they can to not let that story get out because they don't want people questioning the like government's whole thing is it steps in and goes, I got this. Mm -hmm. I got this. I got this. Don't worry about it. I got this. And if everyone starts figuring out, oh, I don't think that guy has it. That's when they start demanding, hey, I want I want to be able to make some of my own decisions. Forget I don't want to hand you this money. Let me make my own decisions. And you don't very often get a. I guess, extreme storylines that really showcase the ineptitude that might wake people up of, oh, do I really trust this person who's saying that they got it? Because it's really important if you're telling me that you're maintaining the electric lines, or you're maintaining my health care, that you actually do have that situation under control. Uh, so it would sound to me like in the British example as well, if they've decided that a child can't be saved, they can't have the child then go over to Canada and then maybe have a storyline of, look, it only cost $500 in a non-socialist medicine or, you know, mm-hmm. this actually wasn't that expensive for us to crowdfund $20,000 from people who are more than happy to give that. And now my child's alive. Look at yeah. what you're responsible for. That's the kind of stuff that they just can't have. Um, and to speak to just how creepy it is, I understand if the government comes along Like, I actually understand either, hey, you can't afford this procedure, you can't afford this service. If you want to go crowdfund it, we'll give it to you, but this is the price tag for it. And I like, I I can understand that. I could even understand a government going, even though I wouldn't like this system, and this is kind of coming to terms with the way rationing works, of we can only, like, the insurance policy can only pay out per person this under current taxes. Your child is above this, or here is our risk to reward profile things that go into a 0.01% survival rate at this cost. We are not allowed to fund. 
Right. So you which is which to, is the way it would have to be, essentially. Right. Yeah, under socialized medicine. To go, hey, things under this risk profile we don't fund, but here's the cost if you can come up with it. I can accept that. But to then go, hey, you're not even allowed to make your own. Like, I understand if market forces, you can't raise the money, which is tragic, or the government being like, we can't pay for this, but if you can come up with it. But to go, you're not allowed to try and make your own arrangements and save your own child. That's just, you know what I mean? That's where like. It's a different level of cruelty. Yeah. yeah, it's a different level of cruelty. Well, it goes to show you that at the end of the day, your government says, as you said, we got this and well, government cares about you and everybody thinks the, the government's altruistic. But I'm sorry, at the end of the day, you're a number. You're a you're a, a cog in the machine. You are a taxpayer. And that is all you will ever be to the government. The government does not give a shit about you as an individual and never will. And it's evidence right here. And it's one of those things where this lady I was talking to yesterday the, you know, the, it's the same old argument. Well, you know, you should be able to tell the cancer survival rates in the United States are the highest of any nation. Why? Because we've got the technology, people can pay for it, and thus they live. And she goes, well, you shouldn't have to mortgage your house for it. Well, what good is a house if I'm fucking dead? So I'd rather mortgage the house. Now, that doesn't mean that the price is accurate. Doesn't mean that we're, our system's not fucked up by cronyism and all everything else that goes into it. But I'd rather have the option to live and for my child to live and the government should not be able to dictate that or, or stop me from, from exercising every possible option I have to keep myself and my family alive. And under socialism, it's just not possible. Yeah. I learned from, uh, I spent, uh, two years in, uh, Israel between high school and college. And, uh, I was, uh, trying to outrun the pain of maintaining, uh, you know, actually practicing Jewishness. <laughs> they were like, Robbie, you've got to stop showing up. You've got come all over here. What's that? What's the little belt they make you wear? And, uh, if you're, uh, like a real deep Jew, the Hasidic Jews, uh, I, think, I think it's called a Gartel. Maybe. I don't know. Gartel. Yeah, Robbie, you've got come on your Gartel again. I was, I was running a lot, like a lot. And I loved it. <laughs> like, cause there were like these vacant Hills, uh, by where we lived. And so, I, I was a dumbass. I wasn't doing anything else, but I got real into <laughs> running and I was running an hour every day. And then like Tuesdays and Fridays, we had like longer breaks and I would do like these three hour runs. I loved it. It was amazing. At one point I got to a point where I, I guess I, I ended up with like ITB band syndrome, but I was all of 18 years old and I ran to a point that I couldn't, like I literally couldn't walk. It became an mm. issue. And I was like, Oh, I got to go see a doctor. It took me a month to see a doctor who basically said, take some, like take some Tylenol. <laughs> and, or, or after a month, it took me a month to get an appointment. Of course, yeah. Socialized medicine out there. I was like, you know what? I was like, I'm going home in another month. By the way, I, I said I can't to be a little bit more accurate. I got to a point. There was like two days where I literally couldn't walk. And then as an 18 year old, I would get up in horrible pain and like take a couple steps and kind of find myself. And then I also realized I couldn't like run type thing. So there was something I, I, I found out there was something wrong. It was amazing when I went to a, got back to America and like one doctor just touched it. I was like, and it was the worst shooting pain. He's like, you have ITB band syndrome. You ran way too much, which basically <laughs> like it's uh you like uh running only works out some muscles. And if you're retarded and not stretching or anything, you end up with certain very strong muscles that are basically pulling They're on your squishing knee. Squishing the other ones. Okay. Basically you get like one really strong muscle over here. And so it's pulling on your knee and nothing else is strong to pull on it, to keep it balanced. Oh, right. to equalize not, the pressure. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, I'm not a doctor. I don't know. But anyways, my one experience with socialized medicine was I will be in pain and wait a month till I'm home in America to see a doctor. And then even they like that system was not perfect, but I just realized like, Oh, I don't ever want to hear about socialism again because I, experienced it once and it just doesn't work yeah yeah if exactly I, still dude. I would just I, i'd take an advil and in pain i don't even know yeah i mean i had gotten i, I talked about this because you know uh crowd health one of our sponsors and right. talking about like the experience of dealing with doctors and that and insurance companies and everything else i mean i had diverticulitis which is like this intestinal inflaming thing where like right. shit gets stuck in your guts it's horrible but it took me i think you know from the time i was in terrible pain uh, called my doctor, same day appointment, you know, in next day MRI. I mean, the process was uh, efficient and speedy. It was pricey, wow. you know, right. but, but I was in a lot of pain and they were like, all right, bam, 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 go. You're done taking care of. Here you go. Here's your scan. Here's what you do for it. I mean, right. in socialized care, you're not going to get that. I mean, you could go to the emergency room, I suppose. But then if they realize that it's not something where you're going to die immediately, you're fucked off back home. 
And then you have to wait to see a specialist and wait to get the CAT scan and everything else. So it's just, you know, everything is going to be delayed because of the rationing of the system. And if they don't, you know, if you don't like it, you have no other options. Right. My experience with American healthcare uh, is if you're in extreme pain like that, you kind of, what, what, from a sales perspective, they got the urgency. You're stuck. What am I going to do? You know, at some no. point, if you're in horrible pain, someone tells you to do something. What am I going to do? No. I, I luckily have not broken a limb as of like, I, I haven't been in that situation. I probably do need to see a doctor because I don't think I've seen one in four years. Just in I'm general. Sure, I'm sure the general <laughs> thing would probably be a good idea. Maybe I could explain my diarrhea and they could fix it. I don't know. My experience from uh, previous incidents with doctors, if things were hurting, was uh, that they were no one ever gave me a clear answer. I was spending more like progressively more money to deal with things and no one ever had an actual solution. Uh, mm. So I'm reluctant to see healthcare professionals at all because I find that for billing or whatever other purposes, there's always some tests that they want to recommend and there's never a person giving me a clear answer or actually having a solution. So I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just bearish on doctors in general from my own personal experiences. Um, but luckily I haven't had a like severe or also, I guess I'm not even trying to solve my current problems because. Uh, right. <laughs> well, I mean, I wonder if it's something where with this, you know, if we had gotten rid of, we can get rid of the cartelization of the medical industry and go back to kind of that one-off system where you can just walk in to see a doctor and right. pay them. The doctor is incentivized to just solve your problem right there because it's not tied into this whole network of horse shit right. where the incentive is to continuously push you along to you know right. get the tests that are built into the system. It's not, you know, instead it's like, okay, it's like going to your mechanic. Your doctor's like, good, thank you. This right. is the fee. I have fixed you. <laughs> Come back if it's not fixed and we'll you know, try something different. I think the whole thing is just built to be a scam and it's uh, a relationship between the insurance companies. And well, uh, can I tell you what to me, uh, there's a couple things that I think would solve it. But one of the biggest ones is uh, the way insurance, uh, healthcare insurance is structured doesn't make sense to me because you should be buying into a policy when like, let's just say you, you, you start getting healthcare at 24, you should be buying into a policy that you're buying into personally and locks in your insurability at set rates based off of your age. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you lapse in coverage, then you would have to go back to start. But the fact that like I'm on my insurance policy, let's just say for a year, and then there's a chance of job overturn or having to get mm -hmm. a new policy, it incentivizes them not to actually heal you. Like- you're because if it, like take Ozempic as a product, I know some insurance companies are using them and some aren't the ones that aren't. And by the way, I haven't done my homework on Ozempic. So I can't tell you if it's actually a good product, but at, at the baseline, if you're morbidly it's... obese and you're not in, you're not losing weight because you've, you've done the diet, the, this, that, the other thing, you're not losing weight. So, um, if your insurance company would be incentivized to spend 12 year, $12,000 a year for you to be, uh, two, 300, a hundred pounds lighter, because you and I could look at the math of what is carrying an excess of a hundred pounds look like in 10 or 15 years from right. now. That's got to be extraordinarily more expensive. The only reason an insurance company would not be willing to pay $12,000 now to prevent costs down the line is because they don't think that they're responsible for those costs down the line. Yeah. It's a broken system. Yeah, a hundred percent, man. I think that's a really interesting point um, as well. And I think that's also to your point about how the, you know, there's no long-term incentive. The number of times I've lost my current healthcare plan, my insurance yeah. plan, it was like three consecutive years of them going, that plan no longer exists. You can't use it anymore. So you go, right. okay, what the fuck? So I've got to now opt and find in a brand new plan to replace the plan because it got forced out by whatever fucking either market or by Obamacare or changes in the structure of the regulatory system. I don't know what it is, but to your point, you're continuously, whether you change jobs or not, having to re-up, reconfigure your health insurance. And there's always a million different variables and different plans and different doctors right. shuffling so in and out at all times. And I be, I, like, listen, they do the math. So they probably know, let's just assume 20% of people end up on their insurance plan year over year. If that's the case, then they would like to delay every possible procedure and figure out every single thing not to pay for right. within whatever parameters, because chances are someone else is paying, footing the bill on whatever down the line. 
Yep, exactly, man. I was just thinking the same thing. Um, it's almost like you know, a game, playing a game of hot potato. And I guess yeah. now, especially because they have to like, cover, they have to cover people right. that have that these life threatening diseases. Between the, between the four insurance companies, that's even stupid too, because it's like you're there's a hundred percent retention on insurance in general. So if you guys are all cycling shit customers at higher yeah. costs because you're hoping that the other ones get the larger, like the larger fatsos, that doesn't work. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, you've literally created a, uh, it's a double perverse incentive structure. First, yeah. there's a perverse incentive structure that because of insurance, we're not paying out of pocket. So we don't actually see costs and everyone's demanding the best possible care at all times. And it's at inflated prices because we're not paying out of pocket. So that's problem mm -hmm. number one. Problem number two is that between the insurance companies, they're driving up their own costs by not doing preventative medicine because they're passing customers back and forth amongst each other. It's just stupid. Yeah, it's idiotic. I was just laughing because I'm just thinking, you know, at the end of the day, I almost wonder if there's like, you know, in trading places where you've got the the two brothers at the dollar bet to ruin Eddie Mur ruin Dan Eckwood's right. life. And I wonder if there's just a dollar bet between, you know, Aetna and Blue Cross of California on who ends up with the most uh, cancerous fatsos at the end of the year. Yeah, there you go. You know, it's like fantasy right. football. Speaking of cancerous <laughs> fatsos, I got to take a quick piss. I'll be back in one right. second. <laughs> I'll there we go. Robbie's back from urinating. This has really been a, a fantastic podcast full of different people going to the bathroom in different places, different ways. Really, a, I think a fresh new way of podcasting. So last thing, man, before uh, we wrap up the show here, I'm sure you've been entertained. You've probably seen this clip, but I'll play it here of a uh, quote unquote Nazi rally in Florida. I personally do believe that there is a legitimate uptick, by the way in quote-unquote white extremism. But I don't think it's anywhere near what Biden thinks it is. And I think that the causes for it are fairly obvious in that everybody is telling white people that they suck, that the world is, you know, that every problem in the world is their fault, uh, that the, you know, that the country was no longer founded on on people trying to live their lives, but in fact on slavery, and that everything has to be seen through the context of race and white people are now at the bottom of that pyramid. So, you know, you look at it and you go, I wonder what could be leading to these white people getting upset and wanting to embrace white extremism. I and mean, what are your thoughts on that before I pay this, uh, this clip from this theoretical Nazi rally in Florida? Uh, I don't believe that there's an increase in anti-Semitism in any way that anyone should care about. Uh, the idea that there's a trackable uptick, perhaps. I don't think that there's ever been good numbers kept on exactly how many people in this country identify as anti-Semitic. I mean, they don't they don't put that in the census, do they? Is that one of the no, questions when they go door to door? Do. <laughs> and like the idea that you can track Twitter and go, well, more of these are racially charged. So I don't believe that there's any reliable metric to say that there's an increase. And even if there is, let's say it doubled from 100 to 200 and there was a 100% increase, I'm not too concerned about it. It's yeah. almost like being overwhelmingly concerned with global warming. I can't tell you that the Earth's not warm. I can't tell you that. I don't mm -hmm. have any fucking clue. But you know what I can tell you is that putting the government in charge of finding a green energy solution is the surest way to get to death sooner. And so yeah. on the same note, engaging in censorship because we're concerned about a couple Nazis that the FBI has probably put into put together to film some footage outside of Disney. Like, yeah, good luck. Good luck with the uh, with the censors. I'm way more concerned with that. Yeah. Amen, man. All right. So here's this clip. And uh, this is from just a day or two ago. But it is especially hilarious because it is a Nazi that uh, is endorsing a candidate. I like, uh, I like goes, the Nazi disco look. I like. I know, right? This one. guy's yeah. really like he, he's letting it flow. He's got it's the buttons disco, down. Nazi disco stew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's awesome. He's going to have John Travolta. I mean, John Travolta looks like a Nazi now, right? Isn't he bald? Yeah. When did Nazis get into vests? That doesn't seem like a very Nazi I, thing. I mean, maybe they just always been into vests, but I like the red coloring though. The other Nazi who was real handsome and shredded, he had like the Ray Bans on and like this red jacket. And I was like, that's a good look. I kind of like that look. And yeah. you know, I'm looking at this guy. I used to wear a fair amount of red. I like I like the red color kind of. Oh, I guess the red and black. That's what it is. I didn't even put that together. It's the Nazi colors. <laughs> hey, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to have to change their colors back to yeah, the creamsicle yeah, yeah, and white because yeah. they're like, fuck, man. We're just getting all these Nazis wearing our shit now. Yeah. <laughs> this red but and black is not going to work out. <laughs> so I guess the Nazis are coming out as gay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so here's, here's a Florida Nazi man 
There's a presidential race going on right now. Are you going to vote in 2024? What do you think is going to happen? My vote is useless. I think Biden's better than Trump because he sends rockets to Ukraine. <laughs> in, the, in support of Ukraine, you mean? Hail Ukraine. Hail Azov. Hey, there you go. Hail Ukraine. Hail Azov Battalion. So there you have it. From the mouths of Nazis acknowledging that Joe Biden is the candidate for Nazis to rally around in 2024. That's funny. That goes the other way of what I would have envisioned for uh, (laughs) FBI propaganda, which is usually... Look, the white nationalists are rallying behind uh, Donald Trump. So that's what makes me think that this could be a legitimate one. That there's a guy yeah. with uh, just his entire head covered in tattoos that was wandering behind him. Do you see a fucking Gollum from Lord of the Rings walk behind him? Yeah, real quick. Uh, there. That's interesting. Did you see the? Uh, it was making the rounds now on Twitter, and then I I tried doing a Duck Duck Go search, and I guess this you know has existed for a while. Uh, and they only matched one face, so it's just not enough for me to like jump on. But yeah. that the Azov Battalion was involved in January 6th. Did you see yeah, that? Yeah, I did. I saw they had like, the same guy. It's kind of a guy who's kind of like a hair lip or something, right? right. Uh, like a funk, uh, funky nose that's very distinctive. Right. That's yeah. I got to release the J6 tapes. Let the internet get after and start matching up faces and stuff. There is no reason. I mean, they're legitimately, if you're the government, there's no reason those tapes haven't been released. What was the other one that the government has? And they never the craziest thing about it. Tucker aired one and got the guy out of prison. Yeah, of course, the government can't admit, oh, wow, Fox News was right about something. So they had to go. He was released for good behavior. We all know what happened. They Mm -hmm. did a good job of presenting him one way. They aired the footage and like, why are cops parading this person around? Why was he outside telling everyone to leave? Like, yep. this guy shouldn't be in jail. And so he got out of jail. That means we're one for one of getting wrongfully accused people out of jail just based off of actually being able to see what happened on that day. The idea that we're not able to get more people out of jail off of the truth is criminal. I mean, that's yeah. like you're talking about government being creepy. We're literally one for one on being able to actually see more of the footage and a person that shouldn't be in jail getting out of jail. Yep. It's fine. Like, you know, and there's no, I refuse to believe there's any, I don't even know what their ratific- or their justification for this is for no, keeping these it, tapes I, private. I think it's, uh, they, they won't, I, I think it's protecting assets. I, even that they, I, I don't know that they've totally acknowledged it, but it's got to be that. I mean, I guess I just, I, it, that's the only thing I could possibly think of because they're never going to tell us because otherwise we're talking about security cam footage. You're talking about shit that should be very easily available. There's no, there's no, there's no going to be security cameras that show any government secrets going on there. You're talking about the right. hallways of right. of the building. So yeah, man, I think exactly to your point, they are, they have to make an example of these people, right? We know that, and it's it's simply about making a statement, even beyond the quote unquote extremism angle, which they're clearly playing up here that Trump has caused these people to come extreme and yada yada, and to justify the uh now banned temporarily at least social media and external contractor tracking and tracing of quote-unquote extremists and censoring their speech right but now it's just a simple matter of um a power play it's a public trial to, to showcase that if you dare to step into or challenge government at its heart if you believe that that's the heart of our government anyway um that you will be punished and that there will not be a savior for you and if they and anybody like that one guy being saved is enough to rattle the very core of the government so yeah there's no way they're going to let that out because they know that it'll exonerate all those people and it'll expose us as a sham and uh and a power play to to instill fear in the population i mean that's all right let's uh i I think i cut you off when we were plugging some report store which is very not jewy of me no. Uh, yes. Well, go ahead. You you can but plug away. Everyone, some report store this Friday and Saturday, or is it Saturday yep. Sunday? Saturday Sunday or Saturday be, Sunday? Uh, yeah, Saturday Sunday. Hanging out with Brian McWilliams. We're doing two shows. First show is going to be at your house in I believe it's Hawthorne. Hawthorne, yes. Hawthorne, yep. Los Angeles, and you fucking Los Angeles people. I go to the middle of the country. People are driving three, four hours to show up to Porsche Store because I only show up once a year, and it's a party <laughs> in a backyard. Tickets are only 20 bucks. You show up. You get stand-up show. You get a live podcast. You get to hang out with other like-minded individuals. You get to hang out in a backyard. You don't have to deal with venues and have a beer. I don't want to hear, oh, it's not in my L.A., it's not in my back. You just fucking get in your car, dude. It's, hey. it's Saturday night. You're not going to have that much traffic. Friend of the show, Vanessa Chase, is driving three hours just to come there see our go. podcast at my house. Hell yeah. So. 
These people yes. are lunatic. I I don't hear any complaints in other parts of the world. You fucking L.A. pricks. Oh, it's not. It's twenty minutes. I can't drive twenty minutes. You spend your whole fucking lives in your car in L.A. Just come out. Like, your ass doing- is going to be less sore driving in your car than Robbie's ass is right yeah. now from sitting in his exactly. shitty gamer chair in, for forty I'm minutes. A, I'm sitting on a plane for six hours. <laughs> I don't need to be in your personal backyard. Coming out with Port- diarrhea the entire time That's by true. you. That is true. <laughs> He's just incredible. clenching his asshole in in the air. So we're we're doing, uh, we're doing two shows this weekend. Uh, it's Saturday at your house. Uh, Stand up and live podcast. And then Sunday, uh, beautiful like farm type property in uh, Lagoanja or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's Lagoanja. It's about an hour and a half south of uh, L.A. So I guess uh, if you're San Diego or those areas, a little bit easier to come out for. And that's going to be a stand up show. So come hang out. They will be bangers, people. Yeah, make sure to come out. I'll put the uh, the link in the show notes, guys. And hopefully, we'll see many of you and uh, get drunk, get horny. I've got the orgy pit lubed up. Ooh, that was part of the renovations. Maybe go. some nails sticking out. I made it myself. So if you get caught in a nail, get your tetanus shots beforehand. That's not what I want to hear about an orgy. <laughs> You're like, oh, is somebody fucking my ass? Or is that a nail that didn't get hammered <laughs> in? <laughs> All right, Robbie. Well, awesome, man. I will see you soon, my friend. Got another orgy uh, pit nail. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Tell everybody where to find you. In addition to, of course, Porch. Uh, uh, Porch Robbie Port, the Fire, Porch Run Your Mouth Podcast, no longer available on YouTube. They can go fuck themselves. Give oh, those motherfuckers. From materials from six months ago. I'm done. I'm done playing the YouTube game. They don't That's deserve awful. the fire content for the 300 people that were watching it. <laughs> mm, goddamn fuckers, man. I told you, they did the same shit to us forever. They kept, they, it's always old stuff. To, it would tie it into whatever the government oh, was pushing at the time that they wanted to censor and they just dig shit out of the archives. So I actually, I fought, uh, I fought the last strike and I won, which I was surprised by. I actually think that there's a part of their algorithm on giving strikes is even that like they'll let you fight one out of every three. Like, I don't think that there's any manual rhyme or reason. My last strike, just technically speaking, was for, you know, in their little blurb. It's like you can't criticize any of the current recommendations. It's like if this was from six months ago, that's not even the current recommendation. No one's recommending the vaccine from six months ago. So just technically you're wrong. And it was also funny because it was an episode where I had an actual doctor on. I got this new sponsor (laughs) on my show, Premier Pharma. Shout them out. They're very cool. And I had the doctor from Premier Pharma who is a doctor, and he was defending vaccines against RFK. He came on the show to defend vaccines, and somehow that segment was against COVID. Miss, I don't even know how. That's, I don't now that's bizarre. I literally yeah. asked them. I literally wrote back, guys, if there was any criticism of COVID, uh, it would have been questions, and it would have been against a no longer relevant vaccine. So I don't know how it could be against current recommendations. I was like, secondly, you got to check out this episode. It was with a licensed doctor who's defending vaccine usage. What could be the objection? After careful consideration, we have determined that this violates our policy. We know that this is disappointing. And then I write back, can you tell me how it violated the policy? And then it just, they don't take him. Yeah, they don't just, yeah, exactly. I, I've tried to fight it. We've never won. In any, any of the strikes we got, we've never won a single one. They now have left us alone for the most part. And I'm sure that it'll crack back down. Like the censorship right. apparatus is kicking up again. Like the Libertarian right. National Party just had its uh, tw- Instagram suspended for liking or sharing another post from an account that got zapped and so they shut them down for a day and then we appeal to it and they're like okay but it's just like the censorship apparatus is 100 percent ramping back up as we go back into covid back into the election season because it always goes one way and one way only and they're clearly targeting uh libertarians conservatives so anyway Good talking to you, man. I will talk to you soon. Yeah, so excited, for me, uh, excited to hang out in uh, Los Angeles. I like that bar by you. Um, yeah, the greatest. We'll go there after yeah. the show. We'll go uh, after a couple I hours. I think I got a package through Spirit, which surprisingly, I mean, we'll see how terrible all my travels go. But I was surprised to see that uh, their package deals are pretty good. That if you tack on uh, cars or uh, hotels, the hotels are like considerably cheaper. So I believe I'm staying at the Hilton by the airport. Oh, nice. I got it for like a hundred bucks a night, which was a steal. Yeah. But I'm going to have to figure out maybe getting someone to pick me up and taking an Uber back so that I can drink while I'm uh, partaking in the porch. In porch. Of course. I don't, don't want uh, well, to be. Well, I can pick you motor, up. I don't want to be relegated <laughs> to a motor vehicle. 
No, of course. No, I can kiss. I'll come pick you up. That's not a problem. Yeah, it's just the, I, the Ubering back. Unless uh, for some reason, I'm hoping to have a party. A sexy lady. I don't think there's any reason. Oh, that could be true, too. But I'm just hoping to make like sometimes there's some porch tours where it's like I can't really like because they're just too stacked or whatever. But I don't there's no reason why I can't have a party night that night. Damn right. Let's do it, man. All right. Awesome, buddy. I'll see you soon. From me, from Robbie the Fire, from Lions of Liberty, from Electric Liberty Land, keep those electric eyes on me, babe. And keep those, or keep that ray gun. I fucked my own outro up to my head. (laughs) All right. Goodbye. Later, dude.